welcome to Want to Work There, a podcast that explores what really makes a company a great place to work. I'm your host, Jill Falska, and together we'll explore not only what goes into building a great company culture, but also exactly how to implement those best practices within your own workplace. If you're here, you believe that a better world of work is possible, and I can't wait to build it together. Let's go. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Want to Work There podcast. If you can believe it, this is episode number 10. Now, I know some of you are thinking that is not a very large number, especially when there's podcasts who have hundreds and hundreds of episodes. But this is actually the stage at which most podcasters give up. And I think that's what makes this such a big milestone for me, because I know that we're only just getting started and that there is so much more goodness to come. And also, as someone with diagnosed ADD who has a hard time continuing on with projects that she starts, we've made it and we're doing it and we're getting into a groove and I'm I'm just super excited. So to those of you who have been tuning in since day one, thank you. I know that there are a million different ways that you could be spending your time. And the fact that you chose to spend a little bit of it with me, it means a lot, truly. If you have been enjoying the show so far, which I hope you have, I have got one very specific favor to ask. Can you take 30 seconds right now and review the show? Yes, I know that every podcaster asks this, but every podcaster asks this because it's so important. Luckily, adding a review is actually really easy to do. In Apple Podcasts, you'll actually be on the show's main page and then scroll down to almost the bottom of the page. And that's where you'll see the stars that you can select. So bonus points, obviously, if you write something about the show, but it's really not necessary. You guys just leaving a star rating, hopefully, fingers crossed, a five-star rating (laughs) would make a world of difference. So pause right now. Go do that. I really, really would appreciate it. All right. So today I want to talk about a question that was posed to me recently. The question was, what kinds of KPIs and data do you think are critical for people experienced leaders to be tracking and why? So basically, what kind of data should we be paying attention to as anyone who is thinking about the people experience within an organization? Now, it is such a great question. And the reason it really took me a second to answer is because, as you know, there are so many different types of data that you can collect and so many different ways to do it. So deciding what the best way was or the most important thing, the priority, was something I really had to pause and think about. Now, if you caught episode eight, you know that I believe every company should be tracking their ENPS or Employee Net Promoter Score, and they should be doing it quarterly. It is a simple metric, but it helps keep a pulse on the organization. So if you didn't catch that episode, I highly recommend circling back. I will walk you step by step through how to implement the survey in your organization and also what to do with the results that you receive. So that was an easy one for me. But 
What about data above and beyond an EMPS score? When I really stopped to think about it, I realized that there are three priorities that every people ops lead should be focused on when it comes to tracking metrics and data. And that's exactly what I want to share with you today. All right, so let's dive right in. What kinds of KPIs and data do you think are critical for a people experience leader to be tracking and why? Now, when I really sat and thought about this question, I realized that for me, it's not specific questions or a specific survey style that is important for everyone to track, but rather there are three behaviors, three behaviors that I think need to be a priority for every single people ops leader who is trying to create a better workplace. So that is what we're going to talk about today. And let's get right into number one. The first priority that all people leaders should have when it comes to data and KPIs is that you must commit to tracking data consistently and then be transparent about the findings. And yes, it is as obvious as it sounds. (laughs) When it comes to collecting employee feedback and tracking sentiment, it's important to be consistent in how and when you survey. If the schedule and the format is consistently changing, I have found that employees will either become overwhelmed or completely disengaged. I've found that you get the best results when you keep things consistent and then transparently share a high-level overview of the results with the team. Now, that last part is usually what scares people. I have heard all sorts of responses to my suggesting this, but it usually goes something like, share the results. That would be disastrous. Our employees will discover we're a really horrible place to work. Okay, so that's an exaggeration. But every time I get pushback on sharing, it always stems from the same thing, a desire to want to hide the warts. Now, I want to share with you what I always share with my clients. Your team already knows. They know what the problems are. They are the ones who just told you. By addressing it directly, you are acknowledging that you hear them and agree that there is a need for improvement. That in itself is incredibly powerful. And it also brings me to the next priority. Priority number two you must proactively work to address what's been uncovered in the data and show progress when possible. Doing this will help employees know that what they shared matters. Now, I'm not saying you have to address every single issue identified in the survey. That honestly really wouldn't be a good use of your energy and resources. But what I am saying is that employees don't get survey fatigue from taking too many surveys. They get survey fatigue from taking too many surveys without seeing any changes result from them. Let's think about this in another way. So say, for example, I was to text my partner asking what they wanted to eat that night for dinner. They respond, pizza. And I say, okay, that sounds great. But then I don't come home with anything. Or I go completely rogue and just come home with ice cream. Now, sure, I am addressing the hunger in some way, but ice cream for dinner isn't really a sustainable solution. Now, if this happened once, it'd be totally forgivable. But what if this was the pattern every week? I ask, 
they respond, I agree, and then either don't follow through on picking up the food or bring home something completely different than what was suggested. After a while, you'd either A, keep giving the same response with no expectation of change and slowly questioning whether or not this was the right relationship. Or B, you'd stop responding altogether. This is exactly how employees respond when nothing ever changes between surveys. Because of this, one of your biggest data priorities needs to be using the data you collect. It seems simple, but it can be a big undertaking, especially when many people ops teams are dealing with fires and urgent needs that come up unexpectedly all the time. So at the end of the day, I want you guys to remember you can always start small. One small change is better than no change at all. It shows progress, it shows initiative, and it gives the sense that you really care about what's being said and you're working towards making the work environment a better place. I should also add that if you really need support, please reach out to me. Helping businesses turn their data into actionable change strategies is a huge part of the work that I do with clients. So if the idea of having someone help you through this process feels like a huge relief, let's chat. You can just send me an email directly to jill at wanttoworkthere.com. Okay, so to recap, we've covered two priorities all people ops leaders should have when it comes to data and KPIs. Number one, you must commit to tracking data consistently and be transparent about the findings. And number two, you must proactively work to address what's been uncovered in the data and then show progress whenever possible. And that brings us to priority number three. You should always use the quantitative survey data collected to prioritize where further qualitative data needs to be sought out. Okay, quick refresher. Quantitative data refers to any information that can be quantified, counted, or measured, anything that can be given a numerical value. Qualitative data is descriptive in nature. So it's expressed in terms of language rather than numerical values. Now, priority number three is to analyze the quantitative data you collect and find out what areas need further qualitative data to tell the whole story. Many of you are thinking, why the extra step? It's because, in my experience, the numbers rarely tell the whole story, especially when it comes to what the fixes or tactics are that could be applied. I usually find that quantitative feedback is great at helping discover the what, while qualitative feedback is great at uncovering the why and the how. This is where focus groups, one-on-one interviews, and open-ended questions are extremely valuable. Anytime you're looking to make positive workplace change, it's really crucial that you focus on all of the areas. If you've never collected qualitative data before and aren't sure where to start, Definitely go back and listen to episode six, the simple but extremely effective method I use to collect inclusive qualitative data from employees. In that episode, I walk you through one method of qualitative data collection step by step, and it will be a great place for you to start. At the end of the day, pinpointing the most important areas for change through quantitative data and then finding the bigger picture story through qualitative data 
is a crucial part of really navigating change management within an organization. If you're tempted to skip this step, I really encourage you not to. If you dive straight into tactics and problem solving, I guarantee you that you will miss some of the nuanced details of why there is an issue in the first place. Having even a small amount of conversations can help you really understand what the employees are going through and what solutions would be most effective. So there you have it, all three priorities. Let's recap them one more time before we go. So when it comes to data tracking priorities for people ops professionals, here are my top three. Number one, you must commit to tracking data consistently and be transparent about the findings. Number two, you must proactively work to address what's been uncovered in the data and show progress whenever possible. And number three, you should always use the quantitative survey data collected to prioritize where further qualitative data needs to be sought out. Now, these are my three priorities that I recommend, but I'm curious, how would you answer this question? What kinds of KPIs and data do you find critical for people leaders to be tracking? I'd love for you to head over to Instagram and leave a comment with your answer on this episode's post. The handle is at want to work there. Or if you prefer, you can email me directly at podcast at wanttoworkthere.com. I'm really looking forward to hearing what you guys are prioritizing. Until next time, keep on building a better world of work. This show was brought to you by wanttoworkthere.com and the incredible team at Podcasting for Creatives. No individual or company acting alone can change our societal beliefs about work, but together we can create a new normal. If you like this episode, please consider passing it on to one or two people who share your passion for creating a better world of work. And until next time, Please know I see you, I believe in you, and keep going. The work you're doing really matters.